Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. morning, beloved family. How are you this morning? I'm so pleased to be with you. I'm a little bit disheveled here, but I'm pleased to be with you. God bless you. I pray that you're well. And you know, every day that I listen to the news, I am more convinced than ever that we should continue the Catechism Explained, continue to know our faith. There is no other way to approach what is fast becoming, I think, the end. Now, I'm not an alarmist, nothing like that, but I, um, uh, I just listen to the news and I see what's happening. Um, and uh, a couple of times I've given the um, illustration of the lily in the pond. Um, it's a particular lily that doubles in size each day. And so it grows exponentially, not 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, but... 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, doubles in size every single day. And so um, I've said before, if you picture being in a large pond and you put the little lily in the in one side of the pond, um, it will be twice the size the next day. It's still tiny. And then the next day, twice the size. And the question is, if it takes... 29 days for the lily to cover half the pond. In how many days will the lily cover the entire pond? Now, I know that in the past, a number of you have said, well, another 29 days. But no, if it has half the pond in one day, if it's grown that size, it takes one more day to cover the whole pond. And I know many of you got that too. Um... And I, I say before, I'm not a prophet. I don't know um, where we're at in the scenario, but I suspect we're at day 27 to 28. And things are coming upon us extremely, extremely quickly, beloved. So I would love to continue reading the Catechism Explained. It is our faith explained. It is the Catechism of Trent, highly recommended by Father Ripiger. He wrote the foreword. Reverend uh, Francis Barago wrote the commentary, and again, it's the Council of Trent. And when, as a result of the Reformation, began in uh, Germany by Martin Luther, who uh, was an Augustinian monk and left the Catholic Church and left authority and, and almost destroyed all of the scriptures, but he succeeded only in taking out seven plus books of scripture, which is the Protestant Bible today. And so um, our Lord had the Septuagint, um, which is the entire Old Testament. 
not minus those books. And when I became Catholic and I read those seven books, I was in heaven. They're so, so, so beautiful. And if you have a good Catholic, any Catholic Bible, then you have the full canon of Scripture. And it's wonderful. And it seems now, after 500 plus years, um, history's somewhat repeating itself, and we're very close to another schism coming from the bishops in Germany uh, who want to rewrite the catechism, who want to um, make homosexuality normal. Um, it, the whole thing is, is, um, is kind of insane. And um, so many other things that so many bishops want to make normal, um, already blessing same-sex unions for which everyone in the Old Testament was put to death. And the scriptures say that no homosexual, no murderer, no gossiper, gossiper, no slanderer will enter the kingdom of heaven. That somehow the scriptures are no longer believed or the faith has been lost. We're definitely in a state of apostasy, beloved. And I tell you, um, I do get angry at some things when I hear them from particular people um, that I, I, I would think otherwise of uh, in the hierarchy. Um, it is upsetting, but I tell you what, that I am, I feel like the most privileged person in the entire world to be alive in this day. And I tell my sisters the same thing. There's nobody more privileged than us and you if you know and love the faith because why do we believe in the midst of such darkness and apostasy? It's the grace of God. And you say, well, other people receive the same grace. I, don't, I can't tell you what other people receive. I only know what I have. And I only know that I deserve hell. We all deserve hell. We all put Jesus um, to death on the cross. All of us did. And he died for us. And he came out of nowhere to pour his grace into our heart at baptism when we were two minutes old or when we were 90 years old. Salvation is pure grace. It's grace. What is grace? It's the gift of God. Um, it, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. That's the Protestant message. And it's the Catholic message. Where did they get it from? It's the Catholic message. There's no one who can work their way to heaven. Works are the fruit of faith. The problem is that the Catholic Church for 2,000 years has taught that works are the necessary fruit of faith. Protestantism teaches they're simply the fruit of faith and they're not necessary, but they are necessary. Um, I learned in my Protestant years that Jesus kept the Ten, Ten Commandments so that we don't have to. On the contrary, Jesus kept the law perfectly so that we in him can keep the law. He hasn't done away with the law. He cannot do away with the law. The Ten Commandments are the moral law written in our hearts. That's all he did. When he gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai, he created us with a conscience, with a moral compass, with the Ten Commandments. We know we shouldn't steal and kill and, and commit adultery and all. We know that. It's built into us. We don't have to be taught. We know that. We may do it, but we know it's not right. We know that unless our conscience has truly been seared through so much sin. But all that our Lord did is to put 
the moral law that he built into every creature, Romans chapter 1, he put them on stone at Sinai. And those became the Ten Commandments. And actually, if you read Exodus chapter 20, from which they come, there's more than 10. There's at least 14. And we have three different orderings of the 10. We have the, the first, the Jewish one, the Jewish rendering of the Ten Commandments, which doesn't even start with a commandment. It starts with a statement, which is the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. That's it. There's no commandment. That's a statement. And his statement was to get his Jewish people that he was forming as a nation to abandon all the false gods, to abandon the idolatry of their inheritance, to abandon it all, to come apart and know that he alone is the Lord God. It's the same today. There's no other God. There's only one. The Catholic grouping of the commandments is a little different, and the Protestant grouping is still different. They're all perfect because I say there's more than ten. So however they're grouped is not an issue. But it's the moral law law of God in our heart. And the only commandment of the ten for the nation of Israel that wasn't a moral law put in their heart was the Sabbath. Because that was, the Sabbath was special to the nation of Israel. Not to us. To the nation of Israel that they would take a day apart to rest and to worship God and to not do work or collect more manna if they'd be afraid food would run out. They needed to trust God. They needed to obey him. And our Lord, who, um, um, how do I say, completed uh, the, the law of Moses, he, he um, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he did it perfectly. He obeyed the law of Moses, the only one who ever did without sin. Uh, he said, I have not come to abolish the law. Um, but to fulfill it. That's the word I'm looking for, fulfill. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it. I'm not going to do away with that. I can't. It's the moral law in your heart. But I came to fulfill it. And he did fulfill the moral law. He fulfilled it on the cross. He fulfilled it through his life here on earth. He fulfilled it. And, in, and poured at Pentecost, coming up this Sunday, dearest family, I'm and we're thrilled for it. We're praying a novena uh, to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit. And it's this Sunday, and it's very, very, very special. It is the day that the law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai poured out on his people, uh, that that Pentecost, of a Jewish holiday, not a Christian one, there were no Christians yet, on the day of Pentecost, when... 3,000 plus Jews were gathered at Jerusalem for their Feast of Pentecost and the rejoicing of the law at Mount Sinai that that Holy Spirit was poured out on those Jewish people and the birthday of the church at, of the, I'm sorry, of Israel, the birth of Israel at Sinai was poured out on all those Jews and became the birthday of the church at Pentecost. It wouldn't just be for the Jewish people now, for the Hebrews, but would go into the four corners of the earth that the entire world would be saved and brought to heaven. That's kind of a little nutshell. It's a magnificent story. It's all of God. We'll be right back. 
as a non-profit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am thrilled to be with you. Something is not right here. Um, uh, let's see. Hold on one second. I've got to just do something here. Okay, we're good. I'm, I'm getting dressed on the air. How do you like that? I'm, I'm, I'm see how casual I am with you. Anything goes. Um, we were just talking about um, uh, the Feast of Pentecost coming up on this Sunday, and I mentioned that contrary to my Protestant um, understanding, um, Jesus... Uh, kept the law and fulfilled it, not so that we don't have to, but so that we can, so that in him we have the power to do all things. He would not do away with the law. As I mentioned, it's the moral law written in our hearts. And the only commandment of the ten that is not part of the moral law that goes out to everyone is the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath holy, to keep that day set apart for God. In the New Covenant, the New Testament, um, the Jewish people, Apostle Paul, look at Acts 16, or 1 Corinthians 16, um, the Jews uh, began to keep Sunday as the day set apart for God. Did they break the law? They did not. It was that the Lord of the Sabbath 
rose from the dead on Sunday, the first day of the week. And it was that first day of the week then, on the day that the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead, that they began to meet, take up alms, do all of that. And so um, that became, from the Sabbath that was for Israel only, it became uh, the day of the Lord's resurrection for the entire world, which is why we keep Sunday. And in the Old Covenant, if you didn't keep the law, if you broke it, um, you would have severe consequences or be put to death. Um, it's one reason the church says you must keep Sunday holy. You must. We don't have the option. We don't have the option, beloved. It's the law of God. We must keep, the book of Hebrews says, we keep Sunday holy because we have entered into our rest who is Christ. And he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And we don't have an option. We must keep Sunday holy. And I know in this day and age, um, so many people work on Sunday. I, I've tried to urge everyone from time to time, I wish the malls would close. I wish a store wouldn't be open. Um, if it's an emergency and you need to go to a pharmacy or something, who doesn't understand that? But to go to a restaurant, the restaurants are filled after church on Sunday. It's an embarrassment to me because waitresses or waiters who need to earn money, chefs uh, who earn money for their family, they're very happy that the restaurant is full. But if they could uh, keep Sunday holy as we who are commissioned to preach the gospel can, um we should care enough for them to stay away from the restaurants on Sunday until they all close down. Stay away from, they won't earn uh, less money, they'll just work six days a week and not on Sunday. Sunday will be the day off the way it used to be. It used to be that stores were not even allowed to open on Sunday, restaurants too. So um, we, we need to not be, I guess the word is selfish, self-centered, self-consuming we need to care for others and we need to say if we go into this restaurant as a family then we are making them children of god serve us on the day that we are putting aside for god who said they should serve us they should not we shouldn't go to movies we shouldn't go to stores everything should be closed down and i tell you if christians lived not just catholics but christians but Catholics alone even, as if it's true, as I often say, everything would be closed because they'd lose money by, by being open because they'd be empty. Maybe atheists and unbelievers would be there, but it would be, it would be empty. It would, be a, uh, it would keep them, cost them more money to be open than, than to close. So we have a part in that, beloved. We need to start living our faith. I beg you to do that. Say, but we'll stay home Sunday and we'll be bored. We don't know what to do. We can't go out with our friends. That's what God planned, dear ones. He planned that the family would be the seed and the cell of society. The family. Families don't know how to stay together anymore. Husbands and wives, when their children leave their home, don't know what to do anymore. It, it's an awful thing. We become bored. We think of heaven. They say it's going to be boring. We don't begin to know the life God has given us. And the only way to know it is not to read a book, 
but to live it. If you live it, if you plan special times every Sunday with your family, or if you're alone, just a beautiful day in silence, or walk with a friend, or uh, go to the park with your family and play. I, I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, if people don't have to be at an admission booth and, you know, have food stands, if it's just a, a regular park that you can go to and play as a family, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I remember in Canada, I lived in Canada for a number of years, and um, uh, when when the people my age were younger, um, the Church of England, under whom the Commonwealth, under whom they are, uh, wouldn't even allow the children to bounce a ball on the street. They wouldn't allow them to play because Sunday was to be kept holy. Um, you may think that's extreme. I, I can't tell you if it's extreme, but I think for Israel it would have been uh, distancing themselves from the law of God, a day of worship, a Sabbath, a day of rest in God. And we were young children. Um, we had... Uh, we were three children, and um, we grew up as somewhat conservative Jews. And the family next door to us in the apartment building we lived in um, were Orthodox Jews. And my brother David and I, David, two years older than me, we would go over there just to spend the Sabbath with them with our parents' permission. We would just go over for the privilege of sitting in the dark with them because they wouldn't put on lights, they wouldn't play, they wouldn't do anything. We would go there for the privilege of being more Jewish than we were, of really living it out. We were thrilled. I, that's why I'm telling you the story. I, I, because it's a tremendous memory for me. I absolutely loved it. I didn't love it because I was denied anything. I loved it because I was given something extremely beautiful. We knew growing up that we were the people of God. What other gift can you be given? What greater gift can you be given on earth? And see, dear Catholic families, if you taught your children that identity, that you are the people of God, with that, it's a huge gift. It comes with great happiness and great responsibility to whom much uh, to whom much is given much is expected and required and i loved it i loved knowing who i was and i loved knowing there are times i wanted to do wrong and sin and all of that yes 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 i did but i said if i do it and i'm not telling you i never sinned that wouldn't be true but i always felt awful and, peop, and I would say to people, but it's not right that we do this. And they would say, you're just Rosalind, my given name, Rosalind Moss. You're, you're a prude. You're just uptight. What's your problem? Everybody does it. It's fine. Loosen up. Get with the program. And it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that I realized that I was 100% right all those years to feel guilty. Because I was guilty. Um, but I knew, especially as a younger child, when we lived with our parents, that what I did reflected on my immediate family, on my parents. It reflected on them. And it reflected on the whole Jewish people throughout the world. And it reflected on the God whose people we claim to be. 
it would, would be something very shameful because we're not individual engines in the world. We are a people. We are a people of God. And what one does affects everybody. It affects everybody. Um, it still does. It still does, beloved. If a Catholic is, is uh, living in immorality and people know, they announce they're Catholic, uh, shame, shame on them. And it brings, um, it brings shame on the whole people of God. And that's why what's happening in the church today, I didn't mean to tell you all this, but, but that's where this led. What's happening in the church today, to me, is so devastatingly horrible and embarrassing because we have the job the commission of going of our lord's words to the disciples going into all the world and baptizing and teaching uh the gospel everything that he committed to them we have the singular mission of teaching them and Protestants, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, they, they're all busy knocking on everyone's door. Shame on us. We have the truth. They do not. We have the truth. Mormons do not. Jehovah's Witnesses do not. And Protestants have a truncated and limited truth. We have the whole truth God has given us. And we, shame on us, we are keeping it to ourselves. And not only that, we are spreading our dirty laundry throughout the entire world in the people, in the hierarchy, in what we do, and in what we fail to do. It's an awful thing, and to me, it's terribly embarrassing. We want the whole world to be us, to believe what we believe. And how dare we tell them to believe what we believe and that this would be the fruit of their faith, that they would be immoral uh, as we are. Our abortion rate is the same as the world. Our divorce rate is the same as the world. Um, we don't keep Sunday any more than the rest of the world. Um, it, it's, it's, it's beyond description. To me, it's beyond description. We're indeed in a time of apostasy, beloved. But you and I, if we believe, if we're willing to die for what we believe, and I tell you, for me, if I'm not willing to die for it, it's not worth believing. Why give up everything? Not everything, but a lot. Why hold back from sinful pleasures? Why this, why that? Why? If it's not worth dying for. It's not worth living for. That's what the Apostle Paul says. If Christ is not risen, if it's not true, then we're the most foolish people of all. Let's live and be merry. But it is true, beloved. It is true. And it's never too late to begin to live for God. Today, today, don't worry about your past. That's what Paul says. Forgetting what lies behind. I press on to the high call of God in Christ. It's never too late. Go to confession. Get your life together. God waits to forgive you. His mercies are new every morning. Mercy is his greatest attribute. Nothing you've ever done, however horrible, however many times you've murdered 50 people, go to the confessional. God waits to forgive you and give you all of life. There's the music for our break, beloved. 
Uh, We'll be right back. Call in with anything on your heart. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. We offer several ways to view our programming grid, including at our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Miriam Live, I'm so happy. And this is our half hour all to ourselves. So call in with anything on your heart, anything you wish to talk about um, or ask about. Uh, I should say ask about rather than talk about, but um, questions are good. And um, we do our best to either have an answer or find out where we can get the answer. So the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at Um the beautiful Lifesaver, lifefunder.com, um, that, um, where is it now, that um, LifeSite News um, put up for us, um, is is completed now they've renewed it for us i think three times and we have um i don't know how much percentage but 111,000 of the 200 we need and we're hoping to close on the house um on the 21st so oh my goodness that's two days from now that is friday help We only need 90,000, but I know people have been uh, have been helping us and wish to help us, 
And now, if you wish to donate, you can go directly to our website, uh, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and just click on the Donate button. Um, we're putting together our first newsletter from Beloit, Kansas now. is the first newsletter since Christmas. And if you're not on our mailing list and you go to our website, just click on Newsletter, and uh, right up in the top, you can subscribe, uh, regular mail, uh, email, or both. I love when people subscribe to both because uh, then you can get the things. We always enclose, close at least a holy card, sometimes a book, sometimes a pamphlet, sometimes a CD uh, or a DVD. We always try to enclose something. And if you're on the email list, you don't get that unless you specifically ask for it. So don't worry about saving us postage, your sweethearts. Many of you do that, and they say, we want to save you postage, but we want to give you what we want to send out. So it's okay, and God has always provided for us. Uh, We started with $700, and I remember Bishop Slattery of Tulsa saying, do you have any money? I said, not really. He said, neither do I. What are you going to do? And I said to him, if it's of God, God will uh, supply. It's not presumption on my part, but if God doesn't want it, I don't want it. It's it's very easy that way. So now we need... um, we need a little bit of money to close the house, but we need a lot more to do all the construction, which has already started, and we're very excited. We should be in there by the end of August. So um, that, and let me make the um, uh, announcement again that um, uh, we are beginning to receive women on discernment. In our temporary quarters, we can only receive three at a time. We have we have actually four coming next month, and we figured out where to put them, but um, three to four at a time. Um, and um, uh, then, if it works out, they'll join us uh, in, in the second half of August or after that, uh, whenever it's good for them and for us. Um, but it's getting everything's getting very close. So I've mentioned before we have over a hundred women that have called in to apply, and the majority are over fifty years old. We will take any woman, no matter how age, how old, if she can keep the rule. We just had last month two eighty-one-year-old women visit us. Any woman that can keep the rule, we will receive. Um, but we want to balance. So at the moment. We have seven openings for uh, young ladies of 18 to 28, and we have four openings uh, for ladies 29 to 40. That's about it right now because we have so many people um, over 40 that have applied. Uh, I don't tell you not to if you're over 40, but um, particularly we want to invite here right away this summer those who are under 40 and um, particularly 18 to 28. So if you wish that, just go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and click on a Contact, and you'll get our email, vocation inquiry um, at motherofisraelshope.org. You can click on the Vocations tab or the Charism tab and download our entire Charism and Orarium, um, and just send me an email telling me a good paragraph about you if you're in school, if you're working, if you're free, a little bit about you and your age and your address and your phone number. 
and um, and then I will be in touch with you. Okay, let me see now. Um, we have a, an email from Michelle. Michelle says, hello, Mother Miriam. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Michelle. Thank you so much. She says, I hope you are well, and I really love listening to your show. I want some advice on how to deal with these COVID times. Everything is closed, and I am seeing a direct infringement on our basic rights. It's driving me crazy, and I'm struggling to deal with it. Could you please give me some advice on how to get through this? Thank you. God bless you and all you do, Michelle. Michelle, dear one, I understand every word you've written. I'm in an area of the country or diocese that is not closed, that does not um, demand even that we wear masks, though people can freely do that if they wish. Um, Some businesses might ask us to wear masks, but basically... Uh, the churches are wide open. Um, we, we don't need to wear masks if we don't wish to. And it's a different situation here. So blessed be God. But um, the COVID restrictions, I don't know where you're emailing from. Uh, sounds like California with so many restrictions. But um, in a sense, I don't know that I can encourage you except to say that you're probably in the beginning of what's coming. You may have more freedom now than you do two months from now because the government is, uh, they're not bordering on evil. What's coming out of our administration is complete evil. And um, many of, even within the church, are not countering it. Even there's a couple of places where governors allow uh, the churches to be open with no masks and the bishops and priests still put um, uh, limitations on it, which who could ever understand that? Um, But Michelle, dear, um, the only way to deal with this now, the only way to deal with anything in our life is the word gratitude. It is gratitude. Um, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, whatever you do, eat or drink or sleep, um, do all to the glory of God. And I'd say the reverse. If we don't eat, if we don't drink, if we don't sleep, do all to the glory of God. Do all in a way that reflects our peace, our faith. Circumstances cannot disturb our peace if we walk with God. Persecution, in fact, may even increase our interior peace because we know that we're on God's side and more than that, he's on our side. Otherwise, we wouldn't be persecuted. You see, I think COVID, who knows the degree to which truths were told about COVID, but as Hillary Clinton and I think even some of our bishops have said, we cannot waste a good crisis. COVID is being used to, to put the whole world into panic, to create a one-world order, to kill thousands of people, and uh, to control all of us. And so um, I think just be uh, grateful that in the midst of this um, debauchery, this evil, um, you know Christ. You have him. 
He's your his. You can live the faith. You can live the faith totally. If you can go to church, even if you can only be 10 people in a church, you need to wear a mask, you do it. Uh, You still are not in jail. You still have not shed blood for the faith, as our Lord did. It's the only way to see it. The only way for us to be comforted is to be so utterly grateful that in the midst of this evil, we know God. People say, do you know this movie actor, that movie, do you know the President of the United States? No, but I know God. I know God. Yes, me, 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 sinful me. I know God. I can't get over it. I don't want to get over it. So you're struggling to deal with it. And the only thing I could suggest, Michelle, is that you accept it with gratitude and say, Lord, nothing's going to get me. I have you. And in having you, I have all. Circumstances do not determine my peace or anything else. They may determine physical freedom, but they do not determine my spiritual freedom. I can love you as much and freely now as I did before. So, Michelle, start giving thanks to God. Start being grateful for your faith. Start living it as you've never lived it before. And know that more is coming upon us. And now is the time to learn to live our faith in the midst of darkness, persecution, um, lack of support, uh, false teaching coming even uh, from our own shepherds. We need to learn to live it now with hearts of gratitude to God, not a single complaint. It's the only answer I know, Michelle. Um, Don't think about how to get through this because you may live in nothing the rest of your life. We need advice on how to live this, how to live it with our whole heart, how to praise God, how to... um, Unite with people that are grown up in a slavery and communism and all of that, because that's everything that's coming upon us. But we have Christ. Think of the the the, um, uh, the, the bishops, the cardinals, uh, the priests who were put in jail for years and years and years, lived on bread and water, if that. And they prayed, and they kept the faith, and they taught it to other inmates. We are living in a palace now compared to them. Um, But I think we need to prepare to be in uh, jails and um, uh, I forget the name of these centers they're building for people. I think we need to prepare for that. I don't know that it's coming, but uh, I don't know that it's not coming either. So, Michelle, my dear sister, um, don't give in. Don't let it drive you crazy. It's not driving you crazy. If you're being driven crazy, it should be by God, and he would not do that. Don't let circumstances determine your life and your peace and your love and your sacrifice. Go to every neighbor you can. Speak to your family and children and co-workers and tell them about Christ because whatever they're experiencing now is mild. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously who says, good morning, mother. Why did John never speak about his experiences 
uh, in his gospel in the first person. I just think, dear one, it's, it's his humility. He never mentions himself at all. Never mentions himself. He calls himself the beloved. So I think, it, one, his humility. And secondly, I don't think he could ever get over being one of the three top chosen disciples. The one who leaned on Jesus' breast. And the one whom Jesus called his beloved, or, or John, rather, I should say, wrote of himself as Christ's beloved. It, it, it's much more... Uh, magnificent than calling himself by his own name so everyone every time he says the disciple whom jesus loved or the beloved disciple we know that john is saying that with a heart of gratitude and love and he just couldn't get over it Um, i don't think he wanted to use his name so um, i think he was just overwhelmed by the love of god and john is the one who wrote first john which speaks of the love of god uh, he do not. He who does not love does not know God. We'll be right back, dear ones. Prayer in time of affliction. Blessed, O Lord, be Thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to Thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please Thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are. What can we do without Thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred heart of Jesus, we place our trust in thee. Amen. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved 
to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. You are yet welcome to call in if you have anything on your heart. one 511 5483 And the email is mother at email from Jack, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, <clears throat> I pray this email finds you well. Thank you, Jack. I have just seen a list of invited guests and speakers to a Vatican conference in May, that's this month, on mind, body, and soul. The invitees are a mixture of atheists, pro-abortionists, yoga cultists, and globalist One World Order supporters. I doubt any are Catholic, well, at least not practicing Catholic. Some names of speakers include Chelsea Clinton, Dr. Fauci, rock musicians, etc. I am now convinced that the current Pope is an Antichrist, and as Pope Leo XIII, Vision, and Fatima's secrets, I am sure that the Church has been opened up to Satan, and he is in the Vatican leadership. My question is, how can I practice my faith in a church that I truly believe has given over its power to evil? I am truly devastated, Mother, and need your help in digesting the ramifications of what is occurring. Yours in Christ, Jack. Jack, dear one, um, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say that the Pope is an, an Antichrist or the Antichrist because um, we're speaking of a successor of Peter, and I cannot, even though some things may seem obvious, I cannot make that judgment. However, everything you've said is not opinion. That's been all over the news. Can we answer for it? No, because it's not Catholic. It's not Catholic. Um, and none of those people that you've mentioned or positions are Catholic. Um, do I believe that the church has been opened up to Satan and that he's in the Vatican leadership? There's no question about that. It's not my opinion. Um, um, Masonic um, uh, faith and people have have infiltrated the faith for a long time and others. Um but so I think you're right in what you see. Um, but you say, how can I practice my faith in a church that I truly believe has given over its power to evil? That's incorrect. The church has not given over its power to evil. People in the church have given over certain power and positions uh, and authority to, to evil. But the church is not given over to evil. This is something to remember, and this is how to get through everything. The church is Christ. The church is perfect and holy and without sin because the church is Christ. He is its head. We are its members. Christ will never be given over to evil. Never. Frank Sheed of the last century said the church is the cause of the members, uh, I'm sorry, the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not measured by their response. Uh, every time I say that, I repeat it because it's a bit of a tongue twister. The church is the cause 
of the holiness of its members. Christ at the core. He's the cause of our holiness through the Holy Spirit. He's the cause through his death and resurrection. He's the cause. But its holiness, the holiness of the church, is not measured by our response. If people are in apostasy, if they lose faith, if they commit all kinds of debauchery, if they utterly go against the faith, um, if certain things, as are happening at the Vatican, are and certainly appear to be an abomination, the church has not been given over to evil. It's the people within her. And... um, but the church is Christ, and there will always be a remnant. All through the Old Testament, Jack, um, God formed his people, and he tried over and over and over again to get them away from a pagan world. They still intermarried. They still worship, wound up worshiping false gods. Um, they, were, they did not bring forth the Messiah, which is why God formed them, to be the savior of the world because of their faithfulness. God called them a stubborn and stiff-necked people. They did it because God is faithful. God is faithful, and he dwindled hundreds of millions of his people down to a remnant of a few hundred, if that. And it was on that remnant of Israel, say Israel failed, they did not. They did not. The church is founded on Israel, the priesthood, the sacramental system, the Eucharist, everything is founded on Israel and on those apostles in the upper room with our Lord. It's all done. One defected, yes, but Matthias uh, replaced him. So no, no, Israel didn't fail because God is faithful. The church will not fail. Why? Because we have uh, a pope who's a saint or people who are saintly or bishops who are saintly or you and I who are saintly. No, 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 no. But because we have the same God that raised Israel and kept his promises, that has established the church, that will, in his own words, lead it into all truth, um, into all time, uh, unto all time, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Why? Because we're terrific? No. Because God is faithful, and he will always keep a remnant. Jack, you are in the church the people who are in apostasy, who bring evil, all of that, they are not the church. The church is made up of a faithful remnant, and it's growing smaller and smaller each day. And um, before Pope Benedict XVI was pope, as Cardinal Ratzinger, he wrote that he would not be surprised if in our generation, in our lifetime, the church goes underground. It's beginning to happen here, not just in China, but here in the United States. And in China, where it went underground, the church is the one who, who went in and destroyed that. It's, it's the amount of evil in the world, the amount of unbelief, uh, the amount of satanic activity. Um, I don't know if it's ever been at this height. I can't say. But um, I don't think it's going to get better. Not soon. Eventually, yes. Eventually, it will. Um, Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph. Our Lord will return. And one day, this will be past our lifetime, I think, there will be a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell forever. So, Jack, don't lose heart. Don't let people, even if they're the Pope, no matter how high they are, um, even if you had 
faith in a particular individual, a bishop or a priest or somebody, and they defected. They went over to Satan's side. Even if that's the case, never lose the faith God has given you because the faith is not dependent on anyone except our Lord who will always forgive, who will always um, keep us in the faith. We just need to come to him and not be discouraged by the things that are going on. We have an email from Jim. God tells St. Faustina that on the way to eternity, he gives three chances to the sinner to come to him. Obviously, one isn't going to load up on sin and then um, assume God's mercy. But even the most hardened sinner will still be forgiven if he has a glimmer of sorrow. What's your view on this, Mother Miriam? It's what God gave to Faustina, and she saved Faustina. I've read her diary. It's absolutely true. I've said it before. There's no greater attribute of God than than his mercy. And if the most hardened sinner comes to him for forgiveness, they will be forgiven. That's absolutely true. Um, Mother Angelic used to say there's no sin greater than God's mercy. God bless you, dear ones. We'll speak with you tomorrow.